the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And so when Jesus said, why is it that in your innermost being, you can't simply trust me with all that I am, not just intellectually, not emotionally, not experientially. Do I trust Jesus in my inner man, in my inner woman with all that I am? Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. We come to Jesus with all that we are. That's why, particularly with young boys and girls, it's okay to say you're asking Jesus into our our hearts. I've heard that all my life, and I've never met any person that thinks a miniature Jesus is actually walking into our arteries. I, I don't think we have to worry about confusing boys or girls or grown adults about that. We understand that you don't have a life without your heart. So when you ask Jesus to come into your heart, you're saying, come into everything that gives me life. Come and take control of all that is in me. And so when Jesus said, why are you questioning me in in your heart? He's saying, why is it that in your innermost being, you can't simply trust me? And that's at the heart of the question that every one of us have to ask and answer. With, With all that I am, not just intellectually, not emotionally, not experientially, do I trust Jesus in my inner man, in my inner woman, with all that I am? Which is easier, he says, to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise and walk. But that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He he said to the man who was paralyzed, I I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Jesus had already given him his greatest miracle. How do I know that? What was the greatest miracle? He forgave his sins. But I want you to understand something. At the heart of what you need is, is the forgiveness of sins. Your soul health. But it's okay to, depri- to pray for the desires of your heart. We have to understand that if God's grace is all we get, his grace is enough, right? His grace is sufficient. If, if I go through this life with heartache and with hurts, and yet I have the salvation of God, that is enough. But it's never wrong to pray for healing. It's never wrong to pray for provision. It's never wrong to to pray for relationships when you're lonely. And in this case, Jesus not only answered his prayer by healing his soul, he healed his body. And then notice the end, and immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on, and we went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all. That's everybody watching. And they glorified God. And they were filled with awe, saying, (laughs) we have seen extraordinary things today. Let me just give you a few truths. 
when you think about those people that you know. I want you to understand your friends, your family, your relatives, your co-workers, your neighbors. Some people will never come to Jesus unless their friends bring them. That's the heart of this story, right? Four no-named individuals bringing their friends to Jesus. Hey, who's your one? Who's that one person that you're praying for, that you're reaching out to, that you're asking God to open the door of opportunity for? Who's your one? Let's get back to the story. I want you to notice a few things about these friends. First of all, I want you to notice their urgency. Say urgency. These guys, they were doing whatever it took to get their friend to Jesus. They knew he needed Jesus. They were prepared to do whatever it took. They had a mission. They were modeling what we now know was Jesus' mission. What was Jesus' mission? You need to know this. This is 101 if you're a Christ follower. Dr. Luke told us the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who were lost. That's his mission. If we're going to be like Jesus, that better be a part of our mission. So here, before we even heard that, had that from Jesus, these men were trying to get their friend to Jesus. They were passionate. Could that be said of you? Do you live with urgency? Do you recognize that of your friends, of your family members, we don't know what tomorrow holds? We can't guarantee another minute, another hour, another day of their lives. We have to live with urgency. But not only that, they had ingenuity in their faith. Say ingenuity. When they got to the place where Jesus was, they encountered a problem. What was the problem? It was full. Oh, that that would be a problem in our churches today, right? But I want you to see something about this problem. Because in this case, it was actually the religious people that were keeping this man from Jesus. And, and I think in that, we have just a story of, of what's happening in our world today. Often what takes place inside these boxes by people like us are really at the core of what's keeping some of those in our corner of the world from Jesus. We get so consumed with things that we're passionate about other than their eternal security that we're not doing whatever it takes to get them to Jesus. I'm going to remind you, the church is the only organization that has ever existed for those who are not yet her members. We exist for those who aren't here yet. And so we must be creative. We must be collaborative. We must do whatever it takes to get our friends to Jesus. But there's a third word that describes their faith. Not only was there urgency and ingenuity, there was persistence. They didn't easily give up. They were willing to keep on keeping on. So they see that they couldn't get in the door. So what did they say? No problem. We'll find another way in. Now you saw a picture of what would have been that ancient house. And just imagine that that roof of that house was like the roof of your house. It had to be at, at least a certain distance high so that people could stand up under it inside. So they would have had to have some kind of structure, whether it be ladder or whether they stand on each other's shoulders, they would have had to find some way even to get up on the roof. And they 
persisted. But when they got to the roof, they had a problem. They couldn't see inside the roof. It was not a sunroof. It was not a moonroof. It was a covered roof. Now, mostly, it was likely a a thatched roof that was perhaps built first with some kind of wood, maybe bamboo logs placed across, then covered with mud uh, to become hard and and form a surface, and and then maybe covered on top of that with tiles. So we don't know if they had to peel back the tile, if they had to cut and dig down in the mud, if they had to break the logs. We don't know what they did, but they literally raised the roof. They put a hole in the roof to where they could see Jesus. Now, I want you to imagine what was happening on the other side of the roof while they were up there. I imagine there were some deacons getting perturbed. What's that that keeps falling on my... What's going... Somebody go get those squirrels. The squirrels are at it again. I mean, what's going on on the roof? Probably the church people didn't even think that maybe somebody was trying to get to Jesus because the natural tendency of the religious is to quickly turn inward. But they created that hole. (laughs) And the Bible says, when they saw down below, Jesus saw them up above. That leads me to the fourth word that describes their faith, visibility. Say visibility. It says that Jesus saw their faith. When I care about people like they cared about that guy, others can see it. Now, now first we have to ask, would Jesus describe our faith for the lost in that way? Would he say, hey, I see your faith. I I see that you're doing whatever it takes. I I see that you're trying to get your people in your corner of the world to me. Would he see the urgency? Would he see the ingenuity? Would he see the persistence? Or or would he see that you maybe invited your friend or your family member to church or or you tried to start a gospel conversation and, and they shut you down and you said, well, I guess that's it. Would they see your passion? And, and maybe we need to ask, would those in your corner of the world see your faith? Not would they see your good work. See, we, we made it about the list. We made it about the checkoffs. I don't drink and I don't chew and I don't go with girls that do. But guess what? The gospel is not about making the world a better place to go to hell from. The gospel is not just about being a moral person, though that's good. We should be moral people. We should be among the most moral on the planet. That is not the heart of the gospel. Do they see your faith? If your friend's salvation was contingent, if your family member's salvation was contingent upon the faith that they saw in you, would they be saved? Some people will never come to Jesus unless their friends bring them. But there's a second truth. The greatest need in every person's life is the need for his or her sins to be forgiven. And we have a lot of needs, don't we? Um, We need a roof to cover our heads that doesn't have a hole in it, right? We need food to eat. We need vehicles to transport ourselves in. We need relationships. We need friends. Sometimes we need healing. There are, there's a lot of needs in the world. I hope you 
get outside your bubble and see some of the needs. The last 48 hours, I was in McAllen, Texas. I had a chance to go and see firsthand what is an immigration crisis on our border. Yesterday, yesterday, just at the border entry in McAllen, Texas, 800 people illegally were coming into our border and had to be apprehended by our border patrol. So I had the opportunity to go into one of the processing centers that most of you have heard about. And, and I saw the young men and the young women and the moms and the dads and even some infants being cared for. By the way, not the topic of our discussion, but it's not what you're hearing in mainstream media. I watched as Border Patrol agents had tears in their eyes as they talked about the heartache they were experiencing. I heard stories about tough men, guys a lot bigger and stronger than me with tattoos and looked like they could take anybody on, told about how they would change the diapers of these babies because there was such an overflow in this crisis that there aren't people that legally can help. So the Border Patrol is, is having to offer humanitarian aid, though that's not really what they were trained to do. I heard the leader of this processing center stand two feet away from me and with tears in his eyes talk about sitting down on a bench next to the holding area where a young boy was as he described how he had been sexually trafficked in his journey to the border. I heard another border agent talk about how he sat down with a couple of children and their mother only to hear them share the story through tears how their father had lost his life along the journey due to the cartel. So we need good in the world. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. You can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. Yesterday I had an opportunity to be a part of some of that. We were a part of Operation Border Blessing where we took those, um, those workers from the Border Patrol and from ICE and DEA, from our United States Coast Guard and, and from the Sheriff's Department and the other military officials were there. And, and, and we gave that 12 or 1,500 people who were family units, we gave them a day where we just said thank you. I walked up to one family and it was two little girls. One was five, one was three, and the mama had a baby in her belly. And I said, hey, we just wanted to, to tell you thank you today for serving. And I said that to the guy. And I said, I know, we don't have any idea what you've experienced. And I turned to the little mama and I said, hey, but you're the real hero because you're taking care uh, of, of these kiddos when, when you don't see him that often, do you? And the guy turned to me with tears in his eyes and said, uh, 
Yeah, sometimes because of the crisis, it's been four or five days since I'm able to go home. Spoke with a DEA agent. He said, I've been down here for nine years just trying to fight the fight, and no one's ever told us thank you like you're telling us today. I'm telling you just to say, hey, yo, there's good we need to do. Don't misunderstand this. We need to be about doing the good. We, we gave $246,000 worth of tangible demonstration of the love of Jesus to these people yesterday. We need to do good. But that's not the greatest need of people in the world. Because we could do all the good that needs to be done and our friends, our neighbors, our family members, our co-workers, our classmates will still die and head into a crisis eternity. See, this story is not just a story of a a literally paralyzed man. It's a symbolic story of all of us. The Bible teaches that you and I, when we are born, we are born paralyzed. We're paralyzed by sin. That sin separates us from God. It keeps us from God's best. And there's no way. You do not have the capability as an individual to walk yourself to God. You can't get to God on your own. You are dead in your sins. You are incapable can't earn or deserve a relationship with him but God the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 verse 8 demonstrates his love for you and for me and that while you were still in that sinful paralysis Jesus Christ died for your sins oh God so loved the world that he gave his only son Jesus so that whosoever that's even you and me would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life and how do you do that well you've just got to believe in Uh, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and the Bible says you can be saved. That's the heart of the gospel and that's the greatest need of everybody you see. It's the forgiveness of their sins. Now the truth is sometime we'll have to meet those practical needs to the doors of their heart and the eyes in their mind are opened to understand their greatest needs. But their greatest needs are the forgiveness of sin. Do you look at those around you in light of their greatest need? I'm trying to tell you today, some people will only come to Jesus unless, they'll never come to Jesus unless their friends bring them. And the greatest need in every person's life is that his or her sins will be forgiven. But there's still more truth here I want you to understand. Look in verse 21. The scribes and the Pharisees began to question saying, Who is this that speaks, who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? What what was happening here? Let me explain it to you. The religious people, the people who were there with the pretense of hearing the teaching of Jesus, So in other words, the people in that setting that would at least have some contextual similarity to us, those people couldn't accept what they had seen. It leads me to this truth. There will always be those who would rather debate the miracle maker than celebrate the miracle. Don't let the skeptics in your little corner of the world keep you from experiencing the real thing. You're going to have questions. I don't, I don't understand some of the evil of this world. I don't understand the evil that I just described to you that people all around the world, that's just a microcosm. 
of what people all around the world are experiencing. I, I've got a lot of questions I can even wrestle with in my faith. There are things I read in the scriptures that I understand, but I don't let my questions keep me from the answers that I do know. And neither should you. There'll be people around you that have questions. Don't, don't let that get in the way. May that never be the case in our lives individually or the lives of this church. May we not get in the way of what God is up to. Well, let me give you this last truth. When lives are changed and sins are forgiven, God receives great glory. <laughs> hey, don't answer Jesus. I told you that's the answer most of the time. You probably can make the case that's still the answer here, but don't answer Jesus. Why are you here? What's all this about? Why, why were you created? Yeah. In, in the Westminster Catechism, we're told the chief end of man is what? Yeah, to, to give glory to God. That's why Paul would say, whatever you do, Eating, sleeping, drinking, working, playing, boating, fishing, hiking, hunting. Whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. And, and so in this story, in, in case there's any confusion about that, we see in verse 25, immediately the sick man rose up before them. He picked up what he had been lying on, and he went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all. And they glorified God. And we're filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. So why is this so important? Yeah, they get a get-out-of-hell-free card. That's good. But that's not the most important thing. When we do whatever it takes to share with our one, to share with the people in our little corner of the world, the hope and the healing of Jesus... We give them an opportunity of their lives to give glory to their creator. And we give that same opportunity to everybody they'll come in contact with. You know what that means? When we don't do that, we're robbing God of his potential glory. Well, my prayer is that this series of teachings is not a, a four-week flash in the pan for our fellowship, for our church, our body of believers. My prayer would be that we become impassioned with the commitment to do whatever it takes, wherever we are, to shine with the light and love of Jesus Like a city on a hill. And I think maybe the best I've ever heard that summed up was back when I was in high school and college in a song that was written by Steve Green. Maybe you heard it. <clears throat> he said, Every day they pass me by. I can see it in their eyes. 
Empty people filled with cares headed who knows where. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. At the end of open dreams, broken dreams, he's the open door. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. When will we realize peace the Lord? What's it going to take for us to do whatever it takes? You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910.